Whatever key you want. Uh, C? Just C major or C minor? You wanna do C major? Sure. Cool. Alright.
So, John, you've been pretty active, I'd say very active, in the protests lately in Minneapolis. Yeah. And you were pretty close by to where, you know, you've been pretty involved at this from the start. Because you live how many blocks away from when they were doing the main fires and chaos? Well, I mean, I would say, I don't know, we're maybe 15 blocks away from where Derek Chauvin murdered. George Floyd, and maybe, maybe six blocks away from, uh, uh, third precinct where Derek Chauvin would have been, you know, occupying. Okay. So. When you say occupying, what do you mean? Uh, you know, he's employed in. Oh, employed at the precinct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where he got away with. So talk about Derek Chauvin a little bit then, because it seems like you bring him up right away. So he's yeah. kind of the main focal point of this, right? In a sense, as sort of what was a catalyst for all this. Yeah, I think that we have to start flipping the narrative because in the America, we have a tendency in, in, um, in news to say this person uh, is a victim and, and then um, we, the focus is on the person that was the victim. Mm -hmm. I think we need to flip the script on the person that's the perpetrator. You know, Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. You know, a news headline that we'd see right now would be George Floyd was murdered right. by Derek right. Chauvin. Yeah. But it wasn't George Floyd's intent to get murdered. It was <laughs> Derek so Chauvin's intention That's right. to murder George Floyd. That's right. And so by flipping that narrative, we can kind of have a, have a better perspective on what we need to do going forward. We have a better focus yeah. in that sense. Yeah. So it's like, there's, it's, of course, it's important to focus on George Floyd, too, and, and the fact that he was a victim. Yeah. And you're saying, well, in order to change this to prevent more victims, we need to focus on kind of the root cause of this and focus on Derek and focus on right. what really led him to be able to even do this and right. what what can we do to stop it in the future? Absolutely. And so as you're participating in these protests, what what do you what what would you say is the goal for these and what kind of message are people trying to get out as you interact with the community there? So, you know, I I don't think that it's my place to speak to the goal of everyone in this diverse community of course of course know? yeah um, and um i'm going to approach this as humbly as possible yeah i think that there are uh, multiple outcomes that need to be achieved and i think that there are many different ways um that those outcomes will be achieved mm -hmm. but you know without I, I personally am not a a proponent of um you know destruction of property necessarily yeah but whenever peaceful protest doesn't get heard, mm -hmm. you know, there's no other recourse. You know, I think that, um, well, there's no other, uh, there's no other path. You know, okay. I, it, there's a visibility to, you know, a fire mm -hmm. that like, you know, um, you know, nobody, nobody in America cares until it's brought to their attention. So, yeah, it's definitely symbolic, uh, definitely some symbolism with the third precinct being burned too. And, and kind of that entire incident that occurred there a lot yeah. of symbolism there to say that that i think makes a very bold statement yeah whether it's the, the a statement of violence perpetuating violence or and you're saying well what other recourse do these people really have to feel like they're being heard if they're not being heard when they're being peaceful yeah and i i it could some of it could be revenge but i i really don't think it is i think that it is a very beautiful statement to be honest because in a society that values goods and that values products mm -hmm. above human life. Yeah. I mean, just think about, I don't know if you were on Facebook at the time when these things happened, but what I saw was a, a ton of backlash from, you know, uh, white America, you know, like 
you know, um, you know, I was with Minneapolis until they decided to burn property. I'm like, you're going to talk about, you, you never posted about how awful George Floyd's murder was. And these, the people that are talking about property mm -hmm. never even spoke to the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't care until things started burning and then they were condemning of the burning. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, destruction of property is the ultimate way of saying, you know, in, in a society, I mean, I think it's a very elegant statement, mm -hmm. you know, in a society that values human life under property, destroy mm -hmm. the property mm -hmm. when they don't, you know, when they continue to destroy human life. Now, that's interesting. You say that society, you, you feel that this society and capitalism in America is placing more importance on wealth mm. than the value of a person's life. And, and I think that's a very interesting perspective and an underlying um, kind of a rationale for the said destruction of property they're referencing to. And to be clear, you've never destroyed any public property and you haven't burned anything down. Right. I mean, in, in this, uh, in this, so moment, far, in this moment, no. right, right. And yeah. so, but, but to say, but you're also saying that, you know, in a way you feel that it's an important statement for people to say that, well, really people are putting so much value on commodities, on goods, on wealth. And what are they really overlooking as they put people in prisons and, and taking away people's rights and not really caring about the rights of a human being. I mean, I think that video really was shocking for everybody that saw it, that saw that, saw him put the knee on him and, and kind of almost smiling as other people were like, just on the streets, even recording it just and trying to stop it. Yeah. And that other officer who was just trying to maybe um, protect himself and his job or his wealth or whatever, his prosperity right. by not letting them interfere Right. with that murder i mean it was and it's so it's kind of this this web of police entanglement inter intertwined with the judicial system that then tries to you know enforce all these different laws that officers bring in i mean it's, it's obviously an incredibly complex system built up over well how long has america been around you know well you know uh yes it, yes um and uh, the modern police force uh, was created in 1829, and in the South it was to um, it was to you know, terrorize slaves from uprising. Mm -hmm. In the North, it seemed less insidious, but you know it was created uh, to basically re replace the security units and vigilante security that they'd use to protect corporate wealth disparities in the North. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you know, you have a bank and you want to protect all that money, and then mm -hmm. you have poor people. You know who want that money? Who who, who need that <laughs> who money? Who need to that survive. money? Right. You know, I think you know flipping the script there is very important. You know, because you know if you look at our prison systems, like it's the poor who are in prison. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at all crime that exists, like in in when we talk about the war on war on crime and things like that, um, it, it's the war on drugs, it's the war on prostitution, it's the war on all these you know things that people um, these alternative ways of making money when they you know for whatever reason can't make it in in the more like i don't know would you i would i say like gentrified workforce right i mean that that centralized get a job start off at mcdonald's pizza hut wherever or mm. um, you have to pass you can't have any felonies on your record right. otherwise we won't even hire you for that kind of a thing yeah um, so yeah yeah i totally hear where you're coming from there so what what more do you want to touch on that because i feel like well, there's a little I, more I, there so the the core of what the statement was and because you did ask about um the prisons or not prisons you asked about the you know um 
the mess i guess the mess of the police state that we're mm -hmm. in and i and i to be honest i just feel like it was from its inception it's doing what it was intended to do from its inception okay so that's the point you're making here is that it was designed primarily to do what well to to do what it's doing to incarcerate to mm -hmm. separate from community to um to punish mm -hmm. rather than restore I see. there is a in a society in, in our society, we, in, instead of, uh, if we see someone that's poor mm -hmm. and for whatever reason they commit a crime because mm -hmm. they're poor, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe they're a prostitute and they don't have money. And so, you know, they're a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Like they, um, are selling drugs because maybe they're a convicted felon, maybe have a trumped up charge. And mm -hmm. because of that, they can't find work, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they've had to result, resort to a, an alternative economic System right that's underground right and the thing is like instead of continuing to punish them mm -hmm. punish 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 right let's restore let's educate let's make you know let's help them uh get to you know a place that they can actually um c contribute to the community in a in a very positive way definitely definitely i like that a lot so has there anything that we haven't touched on or talked about yet that you really feel like you want to share or that you think would be a great first step in moving towards a more positive and structured system or government or anything else like that before we kind of wrap up here in today's session at least? Sure, sure. You know, I think that um, we live in a country where 13% uh, of our citizens, um, you know, 13% of our citizens are black. Okay. And they, they, you know, uh, I think that they have the solutions. Um, so they've put a lot of this, this, uh, people of color have put a lot of time and thought into kind of the solutions from the problems that they've uniquely faced is what you're saying. Uh, well, yeah, well, there's several things there. First of all, I would say black because, you know, a person of color, you know, a lot of broader, broader umbrella. Okay. I, you know, I'm referring to black America because specifically, the, specifically because, okay. you know, of the unique challenges that, you know, uh, our, our black brothers and sisters like mm -hmm. face what the, they have to, yeah, and you know, you know what the, they've put up with and what they continue to have to struggle with. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's dire, it's urgent, it's their lives are on the line. And, and there's a deep, deep body of work that, you know, going back to Angela Davis, going back to Frederick Douglass, like there's so much rich intellectual thought and resources and lifetimes and lifetimes of activism that we can learn from and that we can enact. But it requires us as like the people that aren't experiencing things to get out of the way and just let these voices um, rise. And so um, as I did agree to this interview, and I hope that it, I hope that in 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 my speaking that I've um, I've only amplified the voices. That the I've voices heard on the of those. So, whose voices would you really recommend then for people to kind of look up and read and listen to? Then, yeah. So there, um, I, I there's a multifaceted approach. I think from an intellectual standpoint, Angela Davis, Asada mm -hmm. Shakur, um, Cornell West. I mean, Tupac, <laughs> okay. you know, uh, Kendrick, like the lyrics in, you know, the music is, it's, it speaks to all these things from okay. an emotional and an intellectual standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, also, um, there's some awesome politicians I'm seeing, you know, uh, 
Tiffany Marie Preston is a trans woman, trans black woman. And I love her leadership because she, um, you know, all of these, all this activism was on the backs of trans uh, black trans women, you know, like they have been the most marginalized because mm. not only are they black, but mm -hmm. not only are they women, not only, and they're also trans. I see. You know, they, yeah. the, you know, um, and this shows in the health and wealth outcomes. Um, and, and I think that anytime we talk about oppression, we talk about health, wealth, and representation outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I, if I say that like women are oppressed, it means that their health, wealth, and representation outcomes suffer because of the, the status quo. I when I say that like um, a black person is oppressed, I say that their health, wealth, and representation outcomes suffer because of the status quo. And if I, if I you know, if black, trans, and woman, you know, health, wealth, and representation are so suffering that, you know, um, if you look at like the mortality rate of someone that's a black trans woman, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's for every like, 10, I don't know, I don't know the exact statistics, but it's somewhere around like if, if 20 people die, for every 20 just like average person that dies, like, um, or I should, I should say for every like 20 like white men that die, like it, your, your number for like black trans women would be like a thousand, over a thousand. Oh wow. You know, like the more, there's a mortality rate to it yeah. as well as like, you know, all those outcomes I, I, I talked about, right. um, which, which brings about the urgency. So I think, you know, if, if America could, instead of trying to preach the same narratives that it continues to preach, um, to keep the status quo, you know, obviously there's a huge problem in our country. There wouldn't be riots every five years yeah. if there wasn't a huge problem. Right. And instead of just like blaming the victims of this problem, like I think that we need to step out of the way and then ask like what they need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, but the thing is, I think a lot, I think a lot of our politicians know, know what um, the black community needs. I mean, mm -hmm. it's no secret that, you know, back to like the seventies, like, just these different reports, the Kerner report, you know, these different things that like say very clearly what the black community needs. But I think that greed continues to get in the way. Mm -hmm. And I think that at a certain point, um, we just have to decide as a country, we want to keep going in that direction or do we want to start helping the most marginalized and um, listening to them? And um, yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks a lot yeah. for your thoughts, Andre. I think there's a lot of, you know, powerful messages that were put out today. So hopefully people reflect on those and, and, take further action by reading more about those leaders that you referenced and uh, yeah thanks a lot thank you thank you again i just want to i just want to say listen to asada shakira listen to cornell west listen to um angela davis uh look up youtube youtube um angela davis our prison's obsolete youtube angela davis freedom is a constant struggle you know put your earbuds in go on a run have have that just like be listening to her opinions on these things. She's she Angela Davis in particular is one of my favorite voices for uh, Black liberation, and so um, we have all the resources at our disposal. And I just really hope that people start listening uh, to these these activists and these people that have been living this life for uh, for ever. So, awesome. Well, I'd encourage you. people to check those out as well. And and uh, yeah, thanks. Again. Awesome. Thanks, dude. <laughs>